Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. As an HR professional, you know how important diversity and inclusion are. Today's guest is a leader in the conversation surrounding those efforts. We are pleased to have Claudia Chan, CEO of She Global, a coalition content convening platform that helps companies unlock a diverse and inclusive workforce to transform both its culture and its communities. She is the founder of their award-winning leadership conference, She Summit, that has made advancing women and workplace inclusion both accessible and actionable. That event is attended by some of the largest organizations in the world, including Deloitte, Samsung, Bacardi, Home Depot, Adidas, to name a few. Claudia is also the author of the leadership book, This Is How We Rise, Reach Your Highest Potential, Empower Women, Lead Change in the World, which was named by CNBC as a top career book of 2018 and also featured in the New York Times. Claudia was also recently named one of eight UN Women Champions for Innovation. She has been referred to as the change agent maker and Fast Company has called her the Richard Branson of Women's Empowerment. Uh, Claudia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Jim, for having me. Absolutely. How do you feel about that last bit, the, uh, you know, being called the Richard Branson of women's empowerment? Well, I am a, a woman and an entrepreneur of so many ideas. And I think when I, Richard Branson was always such an inspiration for me just because of just the Virgin platform and everything that he created. Um, and yeah, it was just a real honor uh, and an inspiration to be called that when it happened. Wonderful. Um, I know we, you, we've just heard your your bio and, and some of your accomplishments, but maybe you could talk a little bit about what makes you passionate about this in particular. Sure. Well, I've actually always been an entrepreneur. And so my lens on diversity and inclusion and women in the workplace has really actually always been from a perspective of um, creating media platforms and partnering with companies. Um, and really what I saw years ago when I first served, when I first created the She Summit, it stood for She Helps Empower because seven years ago, gender equality, women's leadership was really not in mainstream conversation. Obviously, the world has changed so much since then. If anything, it's everywhere. Um, and the she actually evolved to stand for she, he, and equity. Um, but I, my greatest mission and goal is really to create more thriving workplaces, communities, a more thriving, equitable world through inspiring and educating a new generation of leaders. I believe that all bettering workplaces, accelerating DE&I, um, how do we create more th thriving um, communities? It's all It all comes out of people. And so I eventually evolved into really leadership training and all of this leadership content at my conference, through my book, through my speaking, um, to really inspire this new generation of leaders um, to lead inclusively and that, to me, is key in driving all of this change forward. So really, at the core, my greatest passion in this movement 
is really educating, connecting, educating, and activating uh, inclusive and what I call whole life leaders. And I can explain more about that. Um, I definitely am interested in hearing what you mean by that. Uh, But before that, when you say leaders, do you just mean CEOs and C-suite, or are you talking about anybody that is in a position to make change in an organization? I'm, I'm really referring to everyone. I feel that if we, in order to really, again, create, ensure that all all workplaces can thrive. We really need to redefine the word leadership and make it feel, give it a new definition that is accessible to all people. So, um, you know, if you are first year in an organization, you should feel like you should feel like leadership is accessible to you. And so there's four aspects of redefining leadership that I talk a lot about. One is that um, we need to make the definition more accessible. It should not just pertain to C-suite, senior people. Um, everyone should feel like they can be a leader. Uh, the second aspect of that is that leadership needs to have a um, ne- needs to be less dimensional, one one dimensional. Uh, that you know, leadership should mean leading your whole life well, not just how you how well you run a team or a bottom line. Um, leadership is also has also historically been very uh, masculine traits rooted as a definition, and we also need a more gender balanced rooted definition of leadership. So, for me, as I'm going throughout, you know, as I partner with organizations, a lot of it is teaching a new definition of leadership that is inclusive, that is whole life integrated. Um, And that way, in in doing that, you're getting your employees to all care about creating a more inclusive culture. And you're you're really driving talent engagement by doing that. And it's sort of it's a win win for the person and it's a win win for the organization. How do you think that uh, organizations, at least here in the U.S., are doing when it comes to the to diversity inclusion? And you included an E when you said that. Is that equality, diversity, equality and inclusion? Um, right now, the E actually stands for equity. Equity, so, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, so the diversity and inclusion, like the first women's network, the first employment resource group was really started by Xerox, and I believe it was 1968. And, you know, D, D&I, diversity and inclusion, has been a term that's been around for a long time. Obviously, you know, some decades later, we've made some progress, but, you know, it's been very slow progress. But I do believe that given what's hap- what has happened over the last few years culturally you know you know whether it's you know almost having a female president to you know the lean in movement that Sheryl Sandberg started in 2012 13ish um, to the me too movement and the call call to men just everything that's socially politically that's been happening has really put this pressure right on corporate America and companies to really actually now, it's not just something that, oh, great, you know, we have a women's network and we have employment resource group. We care about DNI. and it's, it's really something that, you know, you have to be, you have to walk your talk and there's a lot of accountability now and employees are increasingly demanding it or, or the activism and the passion amongst your employee population has obviously uh, has a lot more influence today. And so, so there's just so much, so many, so much happening in society that now how diversity and inclusion has evolved is 
Um, it's, it's much more of a priority. It, there's no better time than now to be talking about these issues. And from a branding and lexicon standpoint, I mean, every company is defining it differently. You know, some people mm. put the equity in the middle. Some people lead with inclusion, I and D. Like inclusion come for, comes first and then diversity. So, I, you know, and I always say like companies are not one size fits all. There's no one definition of DNI or like that's going to fit every company. Um, you have, I think of companies as micro societies of humanity and that every company is its own different heritage, culture, uh, you know, an alcohol company versus a retail company versus a finance company that's German based versus American based. So really, it's, it's really you have to step back and really first look at your organization and say, what does diversity, inclusion, equity, what does all of this mean at my company and start from that place? So from, a, from a, whether you have the E in the middle or not. You know, it, it's, it's really not about it's, it's about doing what's authentic for your organization. There's this thing that happens, particularly when it comes to um, the excitement around how do you get your organization working better? You know, I started off in a marketing company. Some of the most excitable people I've ever met in my life. Um, and back then, I was, I don't know, 10 years ago, they were all talking about social media and they didn't know what they were talking about. Right. Like they knew that social media was important. They knew that everybody knew it was going to be this huge, big thing. They didn't really know how. It was just this word. It's a buzzword that they threw around a lot until finally the the world of social media caught up with the concept of it. And then it, then its impact really became felt. And, and those that guessed correctly what it was going to be did very well. And then a lot of people had to play catch up. That's a you great know, analogy. Yeah, I see the same thing with diversity and inclusion. Like I, I read these lists. You know, it's a it's a passion of mine too to try and provide our audience with as much information about how to how to improve their culture in particular. But the important part of that is, of course, you know, making sure that your people are treated uh, in, in an equitable manner. You know, making sure that everyone feels like they have a place there, that they belong, that they're contributing. You know, and I see these lists of, oh, you just do these four things and you're you're all set, you know, or I just see the buzz around the concept getting in the way. Mm -hmm. um, how do you get through the noise? Well, first, I completely agree that it is very much many people throw around diversity and inclusion as terms and as names that they're passionate about or that they're invested in. And yet many don't even know what those, the, the term means, you know, personally, but also organizationally, right? So it's a really good analogy with social media. I, I always say, and, and sometimes diversity and inclusion, the terminology also has a lot of baggage to it. And mm. that's why in some companies, even when you look at employment resource groups, people don't brand them. The Women's Leadership Network, you know, they, they I don't, for example, at... Southern Glaciers, which is the largest alcohol distributor uh, in the country, they have something called like they call it cheers to cheers to LGBT, cheers to women. Like they they brand it something else that makes sense for their culture and their community. But I always go back to basics that, you know, at the end of the day, your organization is made up of people and it's people that drive your organization. And more and more we, you know, the world has changed, the world, the future of work continues to innovate and, and rapidly change, especially with the social movements that are today to technological advances, catalysts, 
a leading nonprofit that does research around women in the workplace, just launched the future of work research and strategy. It talks about even like human machine collaboration and flexibility, just, you know, the future of work is just changing so much. And I think that uh, when it comes to removing the terms DNI, it's about, you know, do you have a workforce, a culture where, you know, all people are represented, feel included, and that you are proactive about diversity, you know, because the world is made up of diversity uh, and not just the, like the, the sort of level one dimensions of LGBT women, people of color, but there's secondary right. tertiary dimensions, right? Like, you know, whether it's like, dis- like neurodiversity is a new, is a new topic out there or like being working parents, my she summit conference just wrapped up and we talked about fertility and how that impacts work and how women and, and couples lean in and lean out to mental health in the workplace. There's so many things that are, you know, there's so many topics and themes that impact people and the, and the career and the retention of those people, the advancement of those people, the recruitment of those people. So, you know, for me, like if, you, if you're an organization, just go back to the basics of, you know, you have to value your people as number one. And, and do you have a mission? Does your culture, your values you know, do you have those initiatives in place that really represent um, all people that's proactively ensuring that you are diverse? And, and and what are those topics that are the most relevant in your organization that you should have? Not everybody needs to have, you know, a working parents group, right? Um, but right. You know, if you're, you know, Diane von Furstenberg is a fashion company, and I know like a lot of women there have, you know, there's a lot of new moms, a very heavily female predominant you know, organization where fertility has been a big topic. So again, every company is going to have its different, unique culture, community issues and topics. And so how do you, you know, how do you, if you start from there as an organization, you know, what are the groups that we need? What are more resources that we need for our people so that they can thrive? When you start from there and remove all the language, I I feel like those are the companies that are really going to win and really prioritizing investing in your people because those people are going to be the ones driving your organization. Yeah, and there's something I'm thinking about when you're when you're speaking is that, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you is a lot of people call it their diversity and inclusion program, and a program suggests something that is solved, like we did our we did our program, you know, you got through it. It's like almost like training the concept of like a classroom. Now you're ready, you know. Now we're good, but, you know especially considering that diversity means so much more than just, you know, uh, a race thing or a, a gender thing. You know, it's it's so many, it's the things that you never thought about until you're confronted with it. Um, these things really have to be living. These efforts need to be ongoing, right? Yeah, and I think it's about understanding the needs of your of your talent base and how do you really understanding what are the unique needs of your people so that they can thrive in working for you and advance and have that opportunity and, and provide some of those resources. And I think that, I mean, American Express, for example, I know uh, is, you know, award-winning with their best places to work accolades and, you know, they're a client of mine. And I, I, what I love about one of their initiatives is they're very much invested in paternity leave and they have something called like, don't miss a moment. And I believe it's father breakfasts, but mm. it's just something to recognize fatherhood and, you know, like tying it in with their brand. You know, I, that was something that I thought that was very, very interesting. 
And again, that's very much a part of their, you know, their brand and then and their culture of total rewards and being to rewards benefits driven, you know, credit card brand organization. Um, L'Oreal is another example where, because it's so heavily, you know, female based and a female employee based, and a lot of these like fashion, beauty, you know, consumer goods companies, and I and I don't beyond fertility or beyond that sort of parental leave, because leave really, really addresses, you know, starting a family, having children, or obviously having a sick, you know, or any sort of caregiving, uh, aging parents, you know, health leave, et cetera. But, but parent society is something that they started internally, you know, very casually, and it's just addressing flexibility and being a working parent, right? So, Again, different companies have different needs. And what you were saying earlier about calling things programs, it's just continuing to say, you know, this is you know, geographically where we're based or the kind of business that we are, you know, this is this is what our employee population looks like and these are the needs. And so these are these are the if it's whether it's groups that we're gonna have, these are the initiatives we're gonna have, these are the resources that we're gonna have. And and again, when you start from that genuine place as opposed to, oh, here's the label, we need employment resource groups, or we need, you know, an unconscious bias program, you know, sometimes it can be very, it's very easy to take the sort of best practices that are in the marketplace. Here are the four things you need to do. And so, and again, those are all great resources. We need to understand best practices and we need to understand what other companies are doing, but just don't take the off the shelf product and think that it's going to work within your organization. So it's very common sense to me, uh, you know, what, you know, sometimes I feel like we, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. But on the flip side, Diversity and inclusion really is at the end of the day about humanity and making sure that, you know, everyone is set up to succeed and thrive and, and are treated equitably and equally. And really there is no, it's like solving the problems of humanity. It really is never ending. There's always going to be challenges. And so I, it is this ongoing, you know, there's always going to be innovations and things that are going to happen in our in our society that are going to impact our cultures. And so it is an ongoing process. And I think that's the other thing. Unlike, OK, we need to hit, you know, if you're if you're the senior leadership and you're looking at all of your strategic goals for the year and you're looking at, you know, driving your bottom line or you know, building out, you know, innovating in new products. OK, to DE and I, we want to get to 50 50 and senior leadership and gender equality, like whatever your goals are. It's not just, it's not something that can just be solved by numbers. I say that, you know, equity, you know, isn't something that's just measured. It also has to be felt. And so it's an ongoing process for everyone. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the approaches that I hear a lot of, I mean, there's a concept of, well, we got to do something you know, and we don't have the resources, we don't have the time, or we don't think we have those. So let's just get something, slap something together. And at least we're, at least we're trying. And I think that there's a lot of really well-intentioned organizations out there that look at a simple solution to diversity in particular as just hire diverse people. And in your, you know, in some of the reading I did around uh, getting ready for this this interview, I, you know, there's this phrase you have where it's unlocking diversity, and I think that I understand what that is. Can you just talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I think that there's so much diversity within anybody's organization that's probably not. It's just latent 
it's like latent um, potential that exists inside organizations that has not been woken, you know, awaken yet. And first, I think that everybody has a diversity story. So whether or not, you know, you're a person of color, whether or not you grew up with a single parent, a single mom, whether or not, you know, you've experienced something, a mental health challenge, like we all have our unique, you know, backgrounds and stories and journeys. And, and I think that, you know, so many people within an organization, you know, can, like, I, I believe that the, the companies that are the most, that are going to be the most successful is waking up the diversity that already exists within your company and getting those diverse, your existing diversity to come together and really help drive and define what DE&I or I and D, you know, is going to mean at your company. And, and that's really what I, you know, I wrote my book, This Is How We Rise. And I do a lot of keynote um, leadership speaking and and training. I also have a digital course that companies like PepsiCo use for their women of color. And but a lot of what I teach is this idea of, you know, a lot of what I teach is whole life leadership and that everybody making everybody in the organization feel like, you know, they they have a di- they are diverse, they have a diversity story and figuring out what they're personally really passionate about and how do they how do they how do they bring that passion and purpose to their day job at work? So for example, you might have a really busy working mom, you know, who is just, I don't have time to get involved in the women's initiative or I don't have time to get, in, get involved in culture initiatives because I'm barely surviving in, you know, my vice president job or, and like, and getting home to my kids. Right. But so, but if, if, if we're in that organization and, and you can speak into that person and you can inspire that person to realize you know, that everything that your that whatever pain that your pain can be your positive impact. And that if you struggle as a working mom, but you've hit this point, you've hit, you've become a VP and you've persevered through this, you know what, guess what? Other people need that mentorship. And as a working mother, and as you rise within your organization, you're going to need resources. You're going to need the culture to continue to innovate and evolve to retain other working mothers and retain working parents. And so you probably have a lot of insights and a lot of, you know, a lot of, leadership and mentorship that you can bring into your role. And hey, guess what? You know, that is how you can contribute to your company's DNI strategy. And so so you've got a lot of that latent potential and that la- like you've got a lot of that potential and a lot of that energy within your organization, within your people that is just asleep, that is not tapped into. And and you know, so much of what I really love to do is and what I, you know, whether it's I go inside organizations or they come to my conference, they send people to my conference every year, is to really wake that up. It's really about talent engagement. And I truly believe to accelerate, you know, this movement and to create more inclusive cultures and really drive and accelerate this work. It's really about unleashing the people within your organization to get engaged in your workplace initiatives and to come up with those innovative new ideas that are going to drive that, that change management. And really prepare your organization for the next iteration of challenges. So that innovation and that those strategies and those ideas exist within your existing people. Most companies are just not waking that up. I wonder out there, you know, a lot of the organizations you mentioned have been pretty big organizations um, that have the resources to yes. really dedicate, you know, and they clearly understand whether it's for the right reasons or not. And that's something that we talk about pretty regularly. 
they understand the importance of doing this and they do it. Um, there are a lot of mid-size and small companies in this country that are resistant to change in particular um, or don't have the resources to, or, or believe that they don't have the resources, perhaps is a better way to put it, to start, you know, say, well, you know, we've only got 10 employees. We don't, we don't want to worry about this. And I, I wonder what kind of resistance have you run into and, and how have you addressed it? Well, yeah, that's a great point to bring up. And the first thing that I would say is it's actually the opposite in many ways where you think, oh, we're not a Fortune 500 company and we don't have the resources or the HRT people. Or, But if anything, you actually have more of an opportunity. And I, I would tell these like medium-sized, small, you know, or you know, sort of fast-growing companies that, and chances are, you know, you've hit a level of success because you've had a strong you've had a strong culture statement or core value system, you know, that's taken you so far, right. To become a successful, small, medium-sized business. And I would say that, you know, sort of, you know, you can be as innovative. You've got a playground of, you know, starting this thing from scratch. One of my um, good friends, uh, Daisy Dominguez, who spoke at my conference and she's a workplace culture strategist. She, she's done a lot of stuff at, she does a lot of DNI advisory. She says, you know, you can, as opposed to somebody like Google, who's literally spending all this time and resources solving what 20 years of challenges have been or, or 10 years of, you know, creating those issues, right? Not knowing that you were creating these challenges, but, and having to undo that, you know, when you're a younger company, you, you can actually, you, you have, have a clean slate to start from. So I think that that's the first reframe around the situation as, as opposed to thinking, oh, we don't have the resources, we don't have the budget. No, it's actually, hey, let's actually define how do we want to be a more inclusive brand? How do we want to be a more inclusive organization? And by the way, when I think DNI, I think internal and external. Like, what do you, what does it stand for within your culture and, and talent base? But, but how, what's the impact? How is your brand, your product, your service also going to create a more equitable, thriving, you know, like, you know, whether it's customer base or how are you impacting society with your product service? You have to think of D think of this stuff, diversity, inclusion, social impact from an internal and an external perspective, and then move to a place of, you know, what do we want to stand for? What are some of the initiatives we're going to do? And you can call it and brand it and name it however you want. And, and in terms of who's going to drive that, tap into those 10 people that work for you, tap into those 50 people that work for you, or, you know, call out, hey, we want to start this thing. Who wants to be a part of this? And yes, it does become a part of you know, another volunteer type of role, but it's also, but when you, again, you can tap into an, a, an employee's passion and purpose and, and align it with the organizational mission and goal, then you're going to unleash leadership and the change agency within that person. And it really becomes a win-win because that person, you know, that person's also showing their leadership. And so it's good for that person's sort of professional career and, and as they're, as they're growing within their work, and it's also really good for your organization. So, you know, I remember following that, that Google situation. I don't know if you remember about a year ago, there was an engineer who created a document um, that was essentially criticizing Google's approach towards diversity, gender diversity. Um, and he made some unfortunate generalizations in the document and got publicly lambasted and fired. And that, you know, that approach, I think, I think they got it wrong. 
Um, I read the document. It's uh, a little bit more fair than the than the press gave it credit for, but you know, he he probably shouldn't have taken that particular approach. They took the story of what he said and turned it into he was making generalizations about men and women, um, which if, if you read it, he did, but he's very careful about those generalizations and made it, they made it about that when the probable reason he got fired was because he criticized his organization's diversity efforts. And it was stunning to me to watch that in the news happen because I don't think a single outlet picked up the story in a fair way. Do you remember when that happened? I do. And, you know, all this just reminds me of is just there's a time and moment for everything, but it's always one initiative that builds on another that really creates a revolution. And if that happened today, maybe it would have been treated differently. Right. And I, and I think that, I mean, just employee engagement, just or the employees now speaking up and being vocal and having that courage, obviously, you know, we're at a time, we're sort of at an unprecedented moment where, you know, that is probably, you know, more, more prevalent now than, than ever. And in many ways, companies, as opposed to taking that defensive approach, it really is how do you how do you really listen and collaborate? I, I talk a lot about that driving change day. It's also a top down and bottom up collaboration that is needed. So whereas before it's like, okay, what does DNI mean in our organization? What are we going to be doing? Let's hire the right people, and you hire those leaders or that one chief diversity officer or what have you, and you can't really dictate this is what our strat this is what you know things mean at the top right we need to you need to hear from your employees and you need to really collaborate and and i find i feel the companies and organizations that do that really well are will be the ones that win but it is you know like everything builds on something else and i mean everything that the gabrielle union event uh, that just took place with america's top talent and it reminds me of the Matt Lauer. It reminds me of the Me Too movement, right? When, you know, something happens and, you know, the world gets shaken up about it. And, you know, but if that had happened maybe, you know, just a year or two prior to that, maybe the Me Too movement would not have happened. So yeah. we all need to be, I think every single person, you know, really getting clear on, you know, what are our values? What do we want to, what do we want to believe in and stand for and fight for? you know, through our work, you know, in our communities and how much are we willing to sort of put ourselves out there? I mean, that's a decision for everyone to make, but so much of what my work in, you know, my She Summit conference or my How We Rise uh, trainings and leadership work in organizations is really helping individuals, you know, rise to their their potential and, and to speak up in a way that is productive um, and really teach people how to do that. Yeah, I like that approach, the idea of it being productive. Um, it reminds me a little bit of an argument uh, that starts off with, uh, you know, something I've learned as I've uh, worked my way through my marriage and a couple of friendships is to stop saying, like, you, like, you, you did blah, 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 because you polarize everything almost immediately and then it doesn't, nothing gets done. That's right. You know, no, 
there's no conclusion that's going to come from that. Right. That's going to and, and, and marriage counseling has taught me you <laughs> I feel, I feel yes. X, Y, Z, because nobody can, your spouse or your, you know, your, your friend, nobody can argue and tell you, get angry at you for feeling a certain way. Although some spouses might, <laughs> some are family members, but yes, uh, yeah. it is definitely, I think, I think really that's why, you know, my greatest passion is really teaching you know, how do we teach a, a new definition of leadership that everybody can step into and embrace? And I, I, I say when I, one of the, the key slides of my keynotes that I kick off with is that your schedule is less about what you get done and more about who you become. Mm -hmm. And I also think a lot about, I use this time analogy where I'm 44 years old. If I get to live to 80, that's 36 years left of my life. So who do I want to become? And, you know, that's sort of how I kick off a lot of my trainings. Um, with how we, with my how do we rise message and teaching this inclusive whole life leadership training is getting you to step back and really looking at your character and how you want to show up, you know, within your work, within your home, within your community, because it really starts with the person, you know, change companies don't drive change. People do. So how do you, how do we get out there and get every single person very proactively thinking about, you know, like almost self, like doing a self-examination and under, like, again, back to unconscious bias was a big, you know, it's been a huge thing, right? Like we all have biases. We all have, we all come from our backgrounds. And of course, subconsciously, we're going to judge and have biases against other people that we're not even aware of. And we all have diversity stories and yet we're not even engaged at all in the diversity, like in, in those social issues that exist in our workplace or our neighborhood. So, you know, how do we activate and, and, and sort of teach people this new definition of leadership that every single human being is like, yes, I want to be an inclusive leader. Yes, I want to make an impact. Yes, I want to. And then and I want to also thrive in the process of it. And I'm going to help, you know, I'm going to help my community, my workplace do the same. I think that that is, that's how we're truly going to advance this work. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Such an honor. I love these conversations and thank you for the work you're doing. You're most welcome. I hope my, I hope my listeners feel the same way. Um, they never leave me comments, but they keep listening. So I assume that things are going well. Oh, and, my, and my final <laughs> message to all the HR and DNI professionals that do listen to, you know, your podcast is, you know, it's interesting because traditionally I think that HR work had a reputation of, of like, it's not the sexiest work, you know, and, but to, I just think in this DNI, in this big movement, it, I, I feel that you're really head of people. And, you know, if companies are micro communities and micro, you know, societies of humanity, you're head of you're driving the programs and the culture. And, you know, I believe that the, the next, the change, next generation of change agents is coming out of corporate America. And I do believe that those HR people, they're the culture change agents. And it's really, DNI work is really, really hard work. So, and there's, there's so much like to hold space for other people to have courageous conversations, have brave conversations. It's really hard work. So I just want to commend all the listeners and really celebrate yourself for this work. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, it really is becoming, I believe, at the forefront of what the private, what businesses need to need to prioritize. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. I've, I'm not an HR person myself. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm more of an academic, but something I've learned after speaking to countless HR people is, and learned to appreciate is how challenging their jobs are yeah. and how often they're caught between 
the employees and the leadership. And, you know, just yesterday I was talking to somebody about uh, the, the situation where we were talking about employee resource groups, you know, and particularly about women groups, um, how challenging it must be for an HR person to attend one of those and feel welcome in that a lot of HR people are women, but they're also this go-between. They're not your average employee, you know, and if they don't have the trust of their employees, you know, and they go to what's supposed to be a very open uh, conversation, they might feel unwelcome or they might have challenges getting people to open up mm -hmm. because if they someone says the quote unquote wrong thing, they might, they might in some cases even have a legal obligation to go do something about it. Um, or at the very least feel conflicted about, you know, I just uncovered this big problem. You know, I'm an HR person. Everyone knows I'm an HR person. If I don't go do something about it, you know, maybe my, my leader will come down on me. And if I do do something about it, my employees, I, it's a position that is, takes a lot of guts, Yes. you know, and I, I have a lot of respect for, for the people, the, the people of HR, um, that when I first entered this, this, this world, I guess, I did not understand at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I would say to those, you know, I think that, you know, obviously they all get into this work for a reason. And I think that your inspiration can run out. And I always talk about like your bucket being full and capacity. And by the end of the year, yeah. right, your bucket's like empty. And, you know, especially when you're caught in so many of those difficult situations, stuck between, you know, like people versus leadership and policies and culture change. And it's hard, hard work. And so that's why, I feel actually it's so like inspiration sounds so simple, but that's when you really need to bring in those like external speakers or get an executive coach or send somebody to a conference or, right. you know, like it's just inspiration is so important, you know, and you know, you're, you're in your, you go to the same place every single day, you know, that it, it can get very, um, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta give, give your people that space and really invest in their, learning and, um, and, and give them more mentorship. And, you know, I, I think that that's why, you know, the learning and development space, you know, just double down on that because <laughs> we all need it. That's, that's great. Um, thanks again. And uh, listeners, we're always interested in any suggestions you might have for what HRWorks should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HRWorks Podcast, or feel free to email me directly at jdavis at blr.com. Uh, with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general, or if you just want to say hi, um, we really would appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.